This is Amita Switlow. I'm in Ottawa today, um, meeting with Marion White, who has come t to us from uh, PEI. Uh, Marion, you um, went to Nigeria. How did that all happen? Hi, Amida. Um, well, in 1976, I was graduating from the University of Prince Edward Island in Charlottetown, and I applied to go with CUSO, but at that time I just had an arts degree, and CUSO said, what can you do with that? Uh, so I went back and got a Bachelor of Education. So the following year, I applied again, and I put in a request to go to Papua New Guinea in the South Pacific, but... Uh, at that time, they were sending a lot of teachers to Nigeria, West Africa, and that's where I was placed. So in the summer of 1977, I graduated and left a couple of months later. Marion, when you landed in Africa and you got off that plane and you smelt the air in, in, in Nigeria, what were your emotions? What did you feel? Because that was your first time in Africa, right? Oh my goodness, yes. I mean, it was my... Close to my first time out of Canada, I guess. I had traveled in the United States and some touristy locations. But um, I'll always remember getting off the flight in Kano. Uh, this is in the north of uh, Nigeria. And it was just stinking hot. And, of course, everybody's waving fans. And uh, someone told me in the terminal, um, the airport terminal, just to let it happen, not to be fanning myself or or just being active because it was so hot, it would have been in the 30s, and just to relax and let the heat happen and I wouldn't uh, sort of need to stress over it. So, uh, yeah, it was quite a shock to be sure. <laughs> and where did you, where did you go in Nigeria? It's a well, huge country. Yes, it's the, at that time there were 80-some million uh, in the country. And I was placed with another Canadian. She taught at a, teacher, or at a secondary school, and I taught at the uh, government teachers' college in Wamba, Plateau State. Basically the center of the country, um, if you could call it the coolest part, you might say, up in the plateau, uh, right on the main highway south of Jos, the capital of Plateau State. And it was a teacher's college that was built as part of a whole campaign using the oil money from Nigeria, uh, Universal Primary Education, UPE was their uh, um, campaign that was on. So all these teachers' colleges were being built so that they could educate their own teachers and not need to be bringing in foreign teachers. So you're teaching teachers. Yes. And you have just qualified as a teacher. Indeed. And I was glad I took some of my books with me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I can just imagine. What were the what were some of the challenges you faced when you started working as a teacher's teacher? Wow. Well, the fact that we didn't have a curriculum or books, textbooks, was a big factor. Uh, so you have to um, basically decide what form they're in. We had five forms, so I was teaching uh, form three and four, six classes of 36 uh, students. So I guess I was fairly practical about it. Like, they're going to graduate in a, another couple of years, so what do they need? I wasn't really thinking that they were 
going to uh, graduate with any uh, huge university diploma, but just the basic skills that they would need to be able to run a small school or teach a class out in the bush. So That's fantastic. So when, teach a class out in the bush, what would that look like to you? Well, it was interesting because part of my uh, teaching uh, did take in the observing of my students as they were out practice teaching. So that was one of the most exciting parts of the job, because I had my little uh, motorcycle, I called it Lester. Lester the Lobster from P.E.I. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. So Lester and I went to all the <laughs> village uh, schools to observe our students, and that ranged from someone teaching in the shade under a tree, like the grades one and two, to uh, actual classrooms with corrugated tin roofs and that kind of thing. And, and just um, blackboards on cement. Um, but these students were just so proud to be able to be out there teaching. Like they, they dressed the part, they did their very best with what they had and I was just so impressed with them and um, most of the time, it, it, well, they just wouldn't complain because, for one thing, they didn't, it wouldn't get them anywhere, and uh, also they were they were proud that they had teachers that wanted them to improve. So you you went to Nigeria and you taught. What did Nigeria and Africa teach you? Well, it was my one of my best work experiences because, uh, as I said, the the students were so grateful and appreciative of of. Uh, having teachers. Um, I think it taught me to, I guess, assess the situation that I had around me and make the best of it. I mean, there wasn't, as I said, no need of complaining. We, we, we had our health. Uh, we had uh, enough um, nourishment. And, and even though we didn't have books, uh, you know, I had some um, text that I brought with me and scrounged here and there to get uh, new supplies. So I think uh, just uh, being able to survive and also appreciating the fact that in small communities uh, in the bush in Nigeria that people were still very friendly and very human and open to welcoming people like myself into their homes. <laughs> I just, I can just imagine because Marion, you're so tall, and uh, are they were they very tall? Are they tall women in that region? Um, you know, they varied. Nigerian people are are beautiful in all sizes and shapes. <laughs> and uh, I remember when I went to small community, like we're talking down a, from a clay road to a path to a a little uh, real bush path to get into villages. Uh, the kids would either run after me or run away from me. Because <laughs> <laughs> they might not have seen a white person before. <laughs> so that was really funny. And, you know, you had a 50-50 chance they'd be running <laughs> one way or the other. So, so you stayed close to two years and you come back to Canada. You now work with QSO VSO as our public engagement officer and have done so for almost 15 years in, um, in representing the Atlantic. Um, your journey brought you back to the same organization. Tell me a bit about that journey. Mm. Well, when I came back to Canada, um, QSO 
was a real stepping stone for me to get involved here locally. When when we were overseas, we basically did our job, but coming back, um, we realized that we really were politicized to sort of global uh, issues. And uh, in the uh, early 80s, I got involved in international solidarity work and was a volunteer with QSO in the Atlantic and um, even was involved in some national QSO uh, meetings. Um, helped with interviews, helped with uh, some conferences that we used to uh, hold. QSO in those days had uh, regional pots of money and uh, we were instrumental in forming some of the smaller uh, NGOs now that exist in the Atlantic region. Um, then in 1994, uh, the regional office in Halifax hired someone to work in Prince Edward Island as sort of an outreach for uh, what I thought was a few months. and. Uh, that led to um, a permanent position, and then when the our offices were closed across Canada in 2005, I was selected to stay on as the Atlantic uh, Outreach, um, and I had been doing a lot of recruitment, and after 05, I was doing more public education and, and outreach, less, if any, recruitment. Well, you're very good at that. You're quite the inspiration to me. I want you to go back again and remember some of the friends that you met from Canada uh, that w that served with you or mm. around you in CUSO. Who were some of the people you're still in touch with or still mm. remember? Well, I think of Susan Isaac, for example, who's here in Ottawa. Uh, we've been friends for 30 years. Uh, we would never have connected other than being with CUSO. Uh, and she stayed involved, too, as a CUSO staff and uh, worked with various uh, NGOs from CARE to ACCC, uh, where she is now. Um, others, I think of, uh, at the time actually, when I left in 77, there were two other um, islanders recruited to go with CUSO. Uh, one, Jean McCardle, who went uh, to Botswana, and the other, Pat Foley, who also came to Nigeria with me. Um, and I have to say that at that time, as with today, uh, the majority of the recruits came from uh, Central Canada. Um, and the person who selected us really made an effort to ensure that we had representation from all across the country. So uh, Jim Griffith was his name. He worked at Student Services at UPEI. And um, I, you could almost say it was affirmative action. He, he wanted to make sure that, that people from small towns uh, in Canada actually did get involved and uh, had the ability to go with uh, QSOs because we didn't have the uh, advantage of living in large centers and having two or three languages and uh, mm -hmm. um, so at the same time we had a hell of a lot of skills that your uh, cosmopolitan intellectual wouldn't necessarily have. Yes, yes. So um, I've stayed involved uh, or communicated with uh, people like Jean McCardle, uh, who's working with CETA now and just come back from uh, Afghanistan. And wow. Though we sort of took different tracks uh, in uh, the international uh, field afterwards, we're still friends. Fantastic. So Marion, I want to um, say once more that uh, to all the people that are listening from Atlantic Canada, you're their person. 
um, you have had a personal experience with serving with QSOVIA, so and once again, you really n uh, are an inspiration to me and our public engagement team. And I thank you for your service overseas in Nigeria in the 70s. And I look forward to seeing you at our 50th reunion in Ottawa in 2011. Thank you, Amida. I love a good party, and I intend to be there in Ottawa uh, as well. We're having events in each of the Atlantic provinces to celebrate the 50th, but uh, I intend to uh, participate in the Ottawa events as well. So thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you.